If you would grab a Bible, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. So a little bit of a programming note here. Um, Normally, this is the fifth Sunday morning, and on the fifth Sunday morning, our uh, young men lead the service, and uh, the issue we had with that is you just saw them. Those are our two young men that we have. And uh, they did a great job, but uh, we, we didn't want to uh, force them to do the whole, uh, the whole service, just the two of them, because some are out of town because of the holiday and all of that, or at least this time of year. So uh, what we decided to do is I'm just going to speak for a few minutes, but I'm not going to preach in a typical way. Um, I thought that I would take this time to uh, kind of go over with the group here uh, some things that we're doing and some things that we're prospectively planning on doing Uh, in the uh, preacher training program as it will continue here. So we have visitors with us. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Some of this you may find does not apply to you. Uh, I don't know what to do about that. I thank you for being here. Uh, We are doing a work in this congregation, and we're going to spend this time talking a little bit about it. And uh, I appreciate you being here, and uh, I apologize if this does not apply directly to you, uh, but you'll get to learn a lot about what we're doing here, uh, but thank you for being here this morning. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10. It says, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am, so let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers." So you can see in this text, uh, Paul is nervous about Timothy. He's sending Timothy to them, and uh, he says in verse 10, see that you put him at ease among you, or he can be among you without fear. Uh, He is concerned about how the Corinthians are going to receive him. Uh, Timothy, at this stage, is a young man that Paul is helping develop into a co-worker and preacher. He's sending him into a hard situation. If you know anything about the first letter to the Corinthians here, it is a tough letter. And to be the one who is on, on the ground delivering the letter as a young man would have been incredibly intimidating. And so he is saying, I'm concerned about how you're going to deal with them. Be sure you're kind to him. Be sure you respect him. Be sure you help him. And the reason I bring this text up is because it reminds me a lot of what we try to do in this congregation when we have a young man who is training to preach with us. So uh, part of my work as an evangelist is not only to preach the gospel, but to help other people be equipped to preach the gospel. And this work and this congregation is particular, uh, it has its own challenge to it and its own special form to it. Because for several years, this congregation has brought younger men in to be a part of this group and to train with us to preach the gospel. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this this morning is because we have a young man who has expressed interest in coming to, to work with us, and he will be here in two weeks, two weeks from today, uh, January 12th, 2020, which already still sounds weird to say. Uh, the young man's name is Brent Dyer. Uh, Brent is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He is currently a student at Florida College. He will be graduating in May. Also, he's getting married right around there, too, and uh, is interested in coming to work with us beginning next summer. So in a couple of weeks, Brent is going to be here, and in this hour, he is going to preach for us. Uh, So I thought it would be a good time kind of leading up to that for us to think about that, what we're doing with that, why we do this. And I also thought that I would spend some time talking with you about what my role is in that and the kinds of things that we work on as we work together in uh, in training. So um, first of all, 
I want to say uh, that this is part of your work. I think sometimes we think that this kind of work is my work or his work. And I want to remind you, this is our work that we are doing together. Now, we work together in all aspects of what we do in this congregation. And part of the reason that you guys brought me here and share with me in the work is because what I do is also what you do, and what you do is what I do. We join in that, and we work together. And preacher training is done by your support, okay, by your financial support, by your spiritual and emotional support. And so, since it's your work too, I thought it would be worthwhile to talk to you about what happens here. Now, the elders began this work, the idea of training preachers, when Dennis was here. It was originally a program that lasted for summers. And at some point, it was extended, I'm not sure exactly when that was, uh, to a longer time frame. <clears throat> and the elders agreed after I came, which is four years ago now, uh, agreed to continue the program. So now, uh, the way this works at this stage, you might have noticed this if you've been doing the math, uh, it is a two-year program. And so the young man will come, and usually we'll, we'll have an agreement where we agree for him to be here for one year, and then an option for a second year. That's in case either side decides that they're not interested in going on with the, the second year. Uh, of course, that, that hasn't come to pass yet, and we've had uh, young men who have been here for a couple of years since I have been here. Uh, so one of the uh, elephants in the room about the preacher training program is, you've probably noticed, boy, he sure is young. Have you noticed? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, no, uh, I've only been preaching for 15 years, and that is, that is a lot fewer than most men who do training. And I understand that, and that is one of the first things I tell these young men when they talk to us about it. I want them to know, I don't want it to be a surprise, uh, that when you come here and you work with me, you're working with me, and I, I don't have as much experience as some other older man. Uh, but... I explained that to them. I've explained that to the elders. The elders have told me that they're still interested in doing the program, and so uh, that is where we are, but I don't want to act like that's not uh, an issue, uh, but hopefully I'm able to, in spite of that, uh, still give some good information and some good experience to a young man. Uh, I want you to think about uh, what our goal is. Our goal in this is to equip a young man for the work of preaching. Okay, that is the goal, and I say that because when you have a goal, everything centers around the goal. We need to focus on the goal to equip this young man for the work of preaching. Doing full-time preaching is not a job. It is a lifestyle. It is a totally different way of doing life, and there are some things to expect as you work with Christians and some things not to expect. So what we're doing when we bring a young man in is we want to give him some experience with what preaching is really like. And there's really only one way to do that. You can talk a lot about it, but the only way to really get that is to do the work and to be with a congregation. So the way the elders envision this going, equipping the young man for the work, is sort of a, a mentoring relationship. These young men spend a lot of time with me. A lot of time, a lot of time. We talk a lot. We talk about all aspects of the work, all aspects of family life, all aspects of Christian growth. We are just constantly talking. I want to share when we talk, 
what I believe is a proper spiritual perspective about things that happen, about complaints and problems within the group, about how you view the different aspects of your work and your relationships with people. And the goal there is, you know, to kind of form the young man in the right direction so that down the road, when he is on his own and he's doing his own work somewhere else, he not only has a foundation to work from, but he also has somebody he can call so that when he runs into trouble, he can say, hey, I just need somebody to bounce this off of. Is there some other perspective that, I, that you can help with? So if our goal is to equip the young man for the work, Everything that we do is tailored toward getting him ready to do that. So you guys know this. The young man who comes and works with us will preach a lot. Uh, He will preach at least once a month here in the assembly. He will preach when he's not preaching on Sundays. He'll preach on Fridays. Okay, so that that little group of us that comes and hears him on Fridays, you know uh, that he is doing that to get the experience to equip him to do the work. He will do the invitations a lot. You guys will see him a lot. In fact, Zach was here Wednesday and he ended up doing the invitation again. That was my fault, but um, he teaches a lot. Uh, He and I are going to study almost every day. Please understand, I want everybody to hear this. I critique his sermons, okay? I critique and critique and critique. There won't be a sermon that you hear that I won't hear and talk to him about uh, because he needs to know, he needs feedback, uh, good and bad. Uh, I also will do a lot where I give him Bible questions. Usually it's things that people have given me over the years uh, and have him answer them. I have him do study projects. We're going to study with other people. We're going to go visiting together. Uh, All of this is toward the goal of helping him be equipped to do the work. Let me also say this. This is going to sound a little like I've got an axe to grind. I promise you I don't. I just want to make the focus here. Sometimes people will tell me, well, it's a good thing we've got an intern to help you out. Okay, talking about me. And I want you to understand, we're not bringing a guy in here to help me. We're bringing a guy in here to help him. We want to equip a young man to do the work. So I don't say that to be rude. I say that to put the focus where it goes. The focus is on the young man. How can we help him do better and grow? And I want us to all know that we're doing that work together. Okay, All of us contributing and working with that young man. So whatever encouragement you have, whatever criticism you have, let that be the goal. Don't forget, this is where we're headed. It's not about getting him to say the right things or think the right way. It's to get him equipped to do the right work. All right, so I do believe that a local church is equipped to do this work, okay, that we can do it. And in fact, I would say this, I think this work helps our group grow. Let me explain how I think about that. I do believe, by the way, that the elders agree with me about this. I believe that this is good for us because we have to mature as a group. When you reach that point where you begin mentoring and guiding and helping and looking out for others, it's a maturity point. It's where instead of taking, you're giving. And I think that's good for us because we need to learn how to give and share with others and not just take. So it's going to take the maturity of continually encouraging somebody, always saying, okay, what can we do to help him? 
It's also going to mean that we persist through some really rough lessons, okay? There are, these are not the best lessons you're ever going to hear. But everybody starts somewhere. Everybody needs that experience, and there's just no substitute for it. And I am so thankful that there were people who were willing to sit through when I was trying to learn how to preach. And I know I didn't rock their world, but they were willing and patient, and I am thankful to this day to those people, to those good brethren who did that. In fact, I keep the tapes of those things just in case I ever get too proud. I can listen to them. And remember how brethren with a smile on their face encouraged me when they were done. Maybe they were happy I was done. (laughs) It helps our group grow. Isn't it awesome to see somebody grow? Isn't it awesome to watch them from point A to point B over time? I, I, think, I think we see that with our young men, right? Okay, and when you see them, and, and each time you see them, you see, wow, he's doing a little better. He's getting a little stronger. I really like the enthusiasm he's showing. This is the same kind of work. You know, Paul tells Timothy that when you give yourself over to these things, your progress will be evident to everyone. And we get to see that. It's a cool thing because you get to see how from day to day, week to week, and then, and then you look up and you say, wow, he's really doing better. That's an encouraging thing. But especially, this helps our group grow because I, I want us to have this mentality as a group to be able to say, what we are doing is pouring investments into the kingdom of God. And the thing with investments in the kingdom of God was sowing is that you don't get to see where that investment leads. You don't get to see the payoff, at least not for a while. But when we keep sowing, we trust that God's going to take those resources and that effort and that energy, and he's going to use it. And that's what we're doing. So this congregation has done that for years. And, you know, we had a really special thing happen last year where we brought a lot of those young men back. And we're able to see not only how much they've grown, but you begin to see, think about the the footprint of what this congregation has done as the gospel spreads in other places. Places that we may never go, we may never know the people that those men are working with, and yet it is a way we're investing in them. So it's good for us. Oh, and by the way, it also kind of helps us stay connected to younger generations, doesn't it? Okay? Because none of us is getting younger And yet, when young men continue to come through, we continue to get that sort of freshness, and uh, we learn how to build a relationship with a new young man who's even younger than the one who came before. All right, so I thought I'd spend a minute uh, talking about just what we do together, this young man and I, uh, because, I don't know, I don't think I talk about that very much, and I would want you to know uh, this is why we bring a young man here and the kinds of things that he and I will focus on. Uh, what do we study? First of all, we, we talk a lot about the role of an evangelist, um, especially as it's presented in Timothy and Titus. I, I want a young man to get a feel for these are terms that now define you. So what is an evangelist? And especially um, what is relevant to me about the passages in Timothy and Titus is that there is so much focus on Timothy and Titus being personally pious. You live this yourself before you get into how you teach other people and speak it to others. Uh, It is vitally important to me that we don't get the order mixed up, that I preach 
and then, oh yeah, I try to live it too. It is instead something that comes first from my personal integrity, and then I have some, something to stand on to try to influence others and be an example to others. And that is heavy in Timothy and Titus. But we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, we'll talk a lot about time management. One of the most challenging things uh, for a man who's doing full-time work is that it's very rare for people to call you to account about how you use your time. The thing about time is uh, people might not know when you don't use your time well, but they know when you haven't used your time well because when you get up and preach and it's not very good, people say, well, I don't know what happened, but that was not very good. Okay, so time management is an essential skill, uh, I think, for all of us, but particularly uh, because of the nature of, of full-time preaching. Sermon preparation, we spend a lot of time on this. Uh, how do you put a sermon together? Different types of sermons. So you might not be terribly interested in this, that's okay. Um, but you know there are different styles of preaching and different styles of sermons. Uh, and sometimes sermons should, should have several points and sometimes they should have one point. Sometimes they should come from a text. Sometimes they should be addressing a certain topic. Sometimes... You need to be able to tell a story. Sometimes you need to be able to go through a man's life, something like that. There are different ways to do it. And my goal is to put tools in the young man's belt so that every time he comes across a passage or a need, he's ready. And he knows I can do this with this or I can do this with this uh, to be able to do that. So we spend a lot of time talking about uh, sermon preparation. And then, of course, we spend a lot of time talking about delivery, how you preach. And uh, this is a public speaking type thing. Uh, and there are just some, uh, all of us have our own verbal tics, our own things that we do that we need to know we're doing so that we can be the most effective we can be, mainly so we can get out of the way and let the word do its work. But we'll talk a lot about that, and I will challenge the young man, um, particularly uh, one of the things that I feel is most important is that a young man learn to look at and connect with his audience, and sometimes we have to, you know, we have to get rid of the notes, or we have to try to step out away from behind the pulpit. You know, we've got to do some things that are outside our comfort zone. Uh, so, you know, it's always interesting how that discussion goes, and uh, sometimes guys are more willing to do that. It's a very nervous thing. Uh, but to be able to, to go outside our comfort zone in a safe place with people that are not going to beat us up when we're done uh, is an important thing, and I think that's a reason why we can work on it here in anticipation of what's going to happen when he leaves and goes and does his own work. All right, uh, we study Bible study. Uh, we talk a lot about how to understand and study the Bible, read it, mark it, notice things, because if you don't have something to say, then you don't need to be talking. So we've got to be able to break down a passage and get to the crux of the passage and then explain that to people in a way that they can understand and apply. Uh, we do a lot of doctrinal work. Um, when a young man comes I don't always know where he's going to be in terms of his doctrinal background. So we're going to hit hot button issues that a man is going to tackle when he does local work. Issues like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Issues like Calvinism and all its tentacles. Issues like premillennialism. Issues like, let's see, what else do I have here? The church. Issues like how to study and read Revelation and Romans, things like that. Um, okay, we've got to talk about finances and taxes. I know that's not fun. Um, but uh, for, for preachers, um, I don't know all of your experiences with preachers. A lot of times preachers get in trouble because of finances. There are also special things you need to know about your tax situation that's unique to preachers. So we've got to talk about that because 
I want him to be ready and not have to worry about those things or at least be prepared for how he's going to do that. We got to talk about gospel meetings, although usually at this stage, young men don't have a lot of opportunities for gospel meetings. We still got to talk about it because someday they will. Uh, We do one-on-one studies. It's my belief that every preacher should be able at the drop of a hat to tell people about Jesus and what they need to do to be saved. At At any moment, you need to be ready to preach the gospel. So I want a young man to be ready to have some kind of outline in his head or written somewhere where he can quickly go to, here is what I would say, and uh, sometimes I'll even role play with them and try to distract them from their purpose because that's what happens in real life and uh, try to get them to where they are focused on getting the person to the gospel and uh, preaching to them. Uh, We talk about the relationship with the elders, uh, usually, uh, there, there are some works, of course, where there are no elders, but usually we need to talk about how to build and maintain and work with elders and think about that dynamic uh, and the blessing it is to have elders, because that is definitely my opinion and belief that it is a blessing to have elders. Uh, we talk about preaching planning. So you may not think about it, but I do try to plan my lessons more than just like that week. Uh, and uh, to look ahead to what we're going to do and where we're going and how this meshes with the things we've been doing. Uh, And that is a moving target, and yet there has to be some thought given beyond, hey, it's Monday, what am I going to do next Sunday? There needs to be planning to it uh, so that we don't end up preaching just what we like. We don't end up preaching just what's comfortable. Uh, We don't end up preaching just by the seat of our pants. Uh, We talk about conflict. Uh, One of the most important skills for a young man who's starting the work is to be able to handle people who are upset or angry, whether it's it's with him or with somebody else, uh, and to be able to do that with calm, humility, and gentleness. Paul tells Timothy, be careful, be kind, be humble. And those are the kinds of things that need to be emphasized and then shown. And so dealing with conflict And then there will be times when there's conflict in my life that I'll share it with him so that he knows here is how I think this would best be dealt with or here's what I did that you should never, ever do. Sometimes that happens. I will talk about visiting, going to visit people, how to visit. What do you say? You know, how long do you stay? Uh, That kind of thing. Uh, There is a little bit of an art to that. Uh, Bible classes, of course, how to teach a Bible class, how to prepare for a Bible class. Uh, We'll talk some about balance. Uh, I am a firm believer that we've got to be careful about not being too much one way or too much another way. We can't always preach from a text. Sometimes we've got to preach from a topic. We can't always preach from a topic. Sometimes we've got to preach from a text. We can't always be hard on the group, but we can't always be easy on the group either. You know, we have to balance those things, and so we talk a lot about balance. And uh, talking about prayer, uh, the idea of prayer accompanying the ministry of the gospel. Now, I just gave you a long list. That's not all, but that's some of the areas. Now, each one of these things has its own set of challenges, follow-ups, things that we're going to have to say. Now, remember what we talked about. This is what's going wrong here. Here's what you need to do with that. But I want each of the young men who come through here to at least know something about these things and at least have it. You know, when we talk about gospel meetings, I remember talking about this with Zach Howard It didn't come up, and it hasn't come up. How do you do a gospel meeting, and then some of the things to think about with a gospel meeting. But you know what? He has a sheet, and it's there on that sheet, so that someday when he gets an invitation to a gospel meeting, 
he at least has some things to think about, about how he's going to do that. But most of these things are things that I had to learn the hard way and things that I had to learn at the expense of the brethren. So I don't mean financial expense. I mean emotional expense uh, because I messed it up, and I don't want that young man at least to have the opportunity not to mess that up. So uh, practically what that means is we start just by reading and reading and reading Timothy and Titus and marking different elements and aspects of it. Uh, We're going to work from writing one sermon a week. That's where he begins. For that whole first year, we're going to write one sermon a week. And then when the second year begins, we're going to two sermons a week, which is usually a significant push on the pedal there. But I want the young man, by the time he leaves here, to be in the habit of writing all the time, in the habit of producing, and also have a backlog of sermons that he can take somewhere so that maybe, I don't know, if he has a baby a couple months after he moves somewhere, you guys know anybody like that? That he has some things he can fall back on. So I also want to say this, um, just so that you know, uh, my personal philosophy on preaching is that it is essential for a preacher to stay connected to God at all times, to stay sharp, to stay focused, to stay hungry. And I can't preach and write if there's nothing in my heart to preach and write from. There's no connection, there's no study, there's no growth. Uh, As I've said before, I, I teach out of my overflow, okay? The overflow of what I'm studying and learning what I'm filling my heart with. I can then share with other people. And I want a young man to learn, you've got to fill yourself first, and then you're ready to preach and teach. But you can't give what you don't have. The other thing is, uh, I focus a lot on writing, crisp, precise writing. Because if a young man can't write, he can't preach as well, because his lessons are spoken writing. So... We need to work on how to develop, to break down a passage, to make thoughtful, clear applications and points from the passage. We've got to work on that. And so we'll do a lot of work on writing. Also, my mom is an English teacher, and she put that into me. So, All right, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about is just how should we treat him. And I want to look at this passage again, 1 Corinthians 16. We started here, uh, and there's a couple of things here that I think are helpful for a congregation receiving a young man, just in general. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. That word, uh, uh, I'm going to say we should treat him by putting him at ease. That's the ESV. Uh, the, the word actually means let him be there without fear. Make it so that he has nothing to fear. Which means let this be a safe place for him. Paul is implying that Christians can make someone ill at ease or afraid. Isn't that interesting? We can make them fearful. And if there is any place where a young man who has expressed a desire to give his life to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, if there is any place where he should be safe, shouldn't it be with us? Any place where he can make mistakes without fear that we're going to come down so hard on him that he'll wish he had never started. If there's any place like that, shouldn't it be among us? I don't think that Paul is saying 
And I don't think Paul did this with Timothy or Titus or Silas or any of the young men he worked with. But I don't think he's saying that they should be insulated from difficulty or hardship. I think he is saying our treatment of him should not be part of the problem. It's going to be hard enough for him to do this work if, without having extra problems from the people who should receive him. Now, I, I want to say something about this congregation. I love how this church takes care of these young men. It is so cool to see. I've now seen it for a couple of these young men. Um, this church welcomes these young men, and they just instantly become a part of the group. In fact, they're such a part of the group that when they leave, they still feel like they're a part of the group, and when they come back, they are treated like they're part of the group. Sometimes we even ask them to do the invitation when they're here on a random Wednesday night. Some of them are not preachers. They're not doing full-time work now, but they still consider themselves and are considered former members, you know, a part of this group. And that's neat, and that is unique, and that is special. And I am saying... Let's let that continue. We bring a new young man in, whoever this may be, whatever he may be like, put him at ease among you. The second thing I want to say here is uh, don't despise him. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now, Paul makes a point to say there in verse 10, he's doing the work of the Lord just like me. Okay, so he deserves the measure of respect and appreciation that you give me. He says we are co-workers. Now, that's incredible because there's no way Timothy measures up to Paul. Paul is an apostle. Timothy is the young man he brought along. And yet he says, no, we're doing the same work. View us the same way. Don't despise him. So verse 11, let no one despise him. I like the NIV here. No one treat him with contempt. So Paul wants them to think of him as nothing less and nothing more than another preacher. He is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. This is about respect. We don't always respect people just because they earn respect. Sometimes we respect people because of what they are doing. Not because they are personally so great or so deserving, but because of their work. It is important work, and the work itself deserves respect. So, can I say it this way? This young man is not someday going to be a preacher. He is not a baby preacher or a junior minister I remember for years, I'd been probably preaching five years, and I would have people come up to me and say, someday you are going to make a preacher. <laughs> I understand the goal there. Like, I understand the perspective. I understand the idea of we want to encourage. We're excited. But it also says something about how we view that work, doesn't it? That's cute. Someday it may be meaningful. That's cute. Someday you may do something important. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying someday Timothy will matter. He's saying what Timothy is doing is the work of the Lord, just like me. I hope that phrase, verse 11, don't despise him, reminds you of when Paul tells Timothy, remember, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. But what's interesting about that, when he says, let no one despise your youth, he's saying, Timothy, 
you don't give them grounds to despise you. That's not what he says here. This is not Timothy's job. This, when he talks about it in 1 Corinthians, is the Corinthians' job. You don't despise him. That means don't look down on a young man who's preaching the gospel. So let me flesh that out for you. This young man, whether it's Brent or some other young man, is going to make mistakes. He's going to say things wrong. He's going to do things that are a little bit foolish. Don't despise him. Let's assume the best. Let's be generous. Let's support him. Let's encourage him. Let's be patient. Now, there is certainly a place to correct and to say, hey, you might need to think about this or work on this. But that is best done in a climate of love and peace instead of a climate of disdain and hostility. I especially, I just said this, but I want to emphasize it. I especially want to advocate for patience. We will see a young man grow and learn and improve, and that's a blessing. We will see God at work in him, and that's cool. But it will require patience and maturity from us because, as we all know, growth is not linear, and sometimes there's bumps along the way. So, as we keep sowing, and as this young man comes, I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, we'll have to meet him and get to know him and see about that. But as we keep sowing, I just want to remind you, we may never know what the fruit that we're sowing will end up being, at least not on this side of eternity. But I want to encourage you. Scripture promises that whatever we sow, that we'll also reap. And so, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Lose heart. Lose heart. Thanks, classes.